What's up, <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of I Bleed Sports. As you know, I am the host, Brandon Janu, and like always, all podcast platforms that were Brandon Janu show, uh, Brandon Janu show, uh, social media platforms, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook, Brandon Janu show, and of course, YouTube channel. Man, that's where you really can find me, man. Subscribe. I think you can hit the notification bell. Do it all, man, on the at my YouTube channel, Brand Your New Show, man. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I know it's Tuesday, so you know it's time to go crazy. So let's get into it. A lot of craziness happened this week. Of course, conference uh, championships uh, happened this week for college football. I will be talking about that again. I did a show already on it, but I will be talking about how I feel about the fallout from the last four. I talked about it a little bit Sunday, but I didn't really get a chance to really dive into it. Of course, I didn't realize how much of a backlash it was about to get, but, well, yes, I did. What am I talking about? Of course I did. Um, And, of course, like always, I will be talking about the NFL and as well, but I'll start off tonight with this, and that is, so, the NBA is officially into the final uh, stages of the in-season playoffs this year. The first ever in-season playoffs last night started the uh, the quarterfinals, I guess, if you want to say it like that. Um, last night it was uh, the Indiana Pacers uh, beating the Boston Celtics uh, in Indiana. They have they will move on, and they will play the winner of tonight's game between the Bucks and the Knicks uh, to see who will go to the, the final game, which will be December 9th in Vegas. Uh, and for the West, uh, Western Conference side, it was the Pelicans beating the Sacramento Kings. Um, and they will take on the winner of the Lakers or the Suns, which again, will meet either the Pacers, the Bucks, the Knicks. So, um, by the way, the Pacers and the Pelicans, I both said earlier when I first did my NBA, pre- uh, season preview show, even before then, I said that I had the, pa- the Pacers and the Pelicans as my team's. That would improve. Uh, the Pelicans, for the first time in a long time, are actually healthy. So I want to see how that's going to look as the season progresses. Uh, they can actually stay fucking healthy, which is the key. Um, but the Pacers are a team that I felt like is very underrated in the Eastern Conference because it's the East. So outside of the top heavies, you know, the Boston's, the Milwaukee's, the Phillies, you got a lot of room to operate if you're the Knicks, if you are the – uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you are the Indiana Pacers. So I expected that. So I'm not surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised either if the if the Knicks beat the Bucks tonight and, and advance to the semifinals. Uh, when it comes to the other game, the Lakers-Suns, um, to be honest with you, I don't know who wins that game. I really don't know. Uh, I think that really does uh, go off of who wants it more. And that's really what it brawls down to, who wants it more. Uh, and what does that really mean to you moving forward? Like, it, it, the, the, the goal for the NBA is to make this um, in-season tournament feel important. And to have, you know, last night wasn't, well, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, the Boston Celtics, that's a big team. The Sacramento Kings did amazing last year. But to have tonight be your marquee teams, like the Lakers and the Knicks and some of your marquee players like Giannis, Dame, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, like that's a that's damn near incredible to have. Like that is 
to have this be your first ever in-season tournament, they've already figured out a way to get I'm be honest, I'm interested in this game, to be honest, which I think they play at 630, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, the Bucks and the, and the Knicks. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game. I think it's going to be pretty damn good, especially with the fact that the Knicks have had a pretty good damn year so far to start the season. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks actually beat the Bucks tonight. And same thing with the, Pace, with, the Sun, with the Lakers and the Suns. I think the Suns, the Suns need this win. I feel like they need to actually beat the Lakers, not just to get past them in the in-season tournament, but to also show people that the Lakers, that they can compete with the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers are great at by no stretch of the imagination, but for Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, they need to prove that when it does come down to the real postseason – you can actually beat the Lakers. And even in a little knockout game between these two teams, this is a game where you can prove where you belong in the Western Conference. And for me, that's a very important thing. So we shall see how that's all going to play out tonight. Like I said, Knicks, Bucks play ten, today. Uh, they're about to play, about to tip off in Milwaukee. Uh, and then Lakers, Suns uh, tip off. Um Oh, they, yeah, actually, the Knicks and the Bucks are playing right now. So it's 18-15, uh, Knicks up. So, yeah, I expect uh, – listen, man, this is going to be a great thing for the NCAA tournament to have young stars and young teams like the Pacers and the Pelicans and then established teams like, let's say, the Bucks do win tonight and the Lakers or the Suns. Like, that's a, that's a hell of a feeling to see your young upcoming team like the Pelicans. Yeah, let's say they beat them and the Pacers beat – the Bucks or the Knicks. That's a pretty intriguing goddamn ending because I, I know people be like, that that shit sounds so boring. But it's not actually boring. That's actually two of the future teams, the Pacers and the Pelicans, in their respective conferences. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait to see how it's going to go down, man. So tune in right now. I think it's on, the game is on TNT, uh, the semifinals. But this game is already going to – this is already going to be – by the time this comes out, I just realized that. By the time this comes out, this game's already going to be over because it doesn't come out to till, till midnight tonight. So the game's already going to be over. But I'm looking forward to the, to, to what the semifinals is going to look like, especially now that I know the Pelicans are going to be in it. I'm looking forward to that. So it's going to be pretty damn cool to see. Um, getting to another sport, man. Boxing. Boxing happened this Saturday, this past Saturday. Ryan Garcia made his his return to the boxing ring after losing to Tank Davis, um, beating Oscar uh, Devote, uh in the eighth round by TKO. Um, well, actually by KO, I should say. Uh, but, um, caught him with a straight right hand, his, his dominant hand, caught him right to the temple, uh, fucked him up. He, he looked, he was wobbly at the, when he, as soon as he hit him, he was kind of like, oh shit. And he kind of trying to like, you know, he's trying to get his balance and it just, it just never worked. Leading into this fight, man, Ryan Garcia and them, you know, of course had to do press. And of course, Golden Boy was the, the, the boxing promotion over it. And everybody knows after the Tank Davis fight, how uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins kind of, it kind of got away from Ryan Garcia after that fight. Literally after the fight, they literally they literally was like 
abandoned the man after the fight. Like, they just left him on a podium to do all of the work by himself. And Brian Garcia, you know, Friday before the fight, literally said, like, was it Friday or Saturday before the fight? Friday or Thursday before the fight. He literally gets on the podium and literally says, you know, Bernard Hopkins can't tell me that I'm done boxing. Like, somebody should have told his ass when he was, what, 45 years old, still trying to box, that his ass shouldn't have been boxing. Like, and same thing with Oscar De La Hoya. Who the fuck is he to tell me I'm done? Who the fuck is he? Like, and and it's it's it and that goes to show you like these boxing promotion, the boxing promoters have such an invested interest in the boxers that sometimes when they lose, and this is the fucking broken the broken mindset of boxing that I hope they're trying to get out of. That if you lose then a boxing promotion is, like, down on you. No, you just lost to a better boxer, which in the in life, if you lose in anything, I hope is more of a lesson than it actually fucking hurts you. Like, it makes you feel more of, like, okay, I know now what I have to do to get better because I'm not on that person's level. Like, it's like when I was a kid and I played video games and I couldn't beat the computer at some point. I had to keep going, motherfucker. Like, I had to keep going. Now it's like the easiest, the sh- easiest shit on the planet. And I, I know I just equated real boxing to fucking video games, but you know what the fuck I'm saying. Failure is failure, regardless of how you want to see it. But to me, you know, Ryan Garcia was right, totally right. He had the right to stand up for himself and the right to have his feelings about how they pretty much promoted him and pretty much fucked him over after that fight against Tank Davis. They literally just said, hey, man, fuck you. You lost this fight. And and, and maybe they all didn't agree that he should have fought Tank Davis, and that probably was the case, that this is why we didn't want you to fight them, wanted, him, wanted you to fight him. But that's kind of what I felt like with the Carnelo Alvarez shit way back in the day when he fought Floyd Mayweather. Like, maybe Carnelo shouldn't have fought Floyd at that time in his career. But in Carnelo's head, it was like, what better time to do it than now? And again, Carnelo has moved on and become, to a lot of people, one of the greatest boxers of all time. So in the loss of to Ryan for Ryan Garcia, is like, yo, maybe he grows into the best boxer as he progresses. But I don't know. I watched the fight Saturday, like I said. Um, I, it, was, it was cool. I actually was looking for tickets. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, for the fight, because it was here in Houston, I was looking for tickets, and I was like, yeah, it'd be cool if I go, but at the same time, I'm not really rushing to go see it. Um, it was a cool fight, man. Like I said, Ryan won in the eighth round. Uh, the the thing about Ryan is immediately after he won the fight, he started calling out Shakur Stevenson. And this is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so Ryan Garcia calls out Shakur Stevenson after the fight. And I get it. You won the fight, so now you think you could beat anybody. That's what you do. When you whoop somebody's ass, you now think I'm big and bold and I could beat anybody. Shakur did not have a great fight last fight. I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't his best. Kind of sucked. It was not what he is. Uh, like they said, what, last week or a week before, that Shakur Stevenson fights are usually boring. They do not intrigue, they do not intrigue you to go and watch them. Like, if you were going to pay money to watch Shakur Stevenson fight, you might be severely underwhelmed by how he fights because sometimes he's so defensively sound 
that the shit is boring. And that is why Floyd Mayweather, to a lot of people, when he became Money Floyd, you know, was boring. Like, he was a boring-ass fighter. A lot of people felt like he was a boring-ass fighter because some of his fights would just be so goddamn easy for him. You'd be watching the fight and be like, is this nigga going to even touch Floyd tonight? What the fuck is going on? Like, like, And it kind of is what it is with Shakur. But for me, for Ryan Garcia to call out uh, Shakur Stevenson, that is a stupid decision. Listen, I think Tank Davis is the best uh, lightweight in the division. And I think Shakur Stevenson is 1A. Like, 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 it's one, and then it's 1-8. Like, Shakur Stevenson is on Tank's level. His fucking boxing memory is damn near unstoppable. And he's only, what, 22, 23? He's 24? He hasn't even grown into the real boxer yet. And the fact of the matter is, bro, Ryan Garcia could barely fucking hit Tank. You could barely touch Tank. What the fuck makes me think you're going to do any damage to Shakur Stevenson? Shakur is going to beat you like a drum. It's That's not going to be a good fight for you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Build yourself up. Get yourself back into title contention. I think you versus Roley. Roley will be... I think Roley could beat you, too. I think that's, that's really more power versus power, strength versus strength. Like, who the fuck could tag who the fastest and who could catch who first? Because that's pretty much what that fight's going to be. Just about trying to feel someone out just to see who could catch the, get them with the big hit. Which even that, I still think Roley could beat you. Like, if we had to go from, like, who is the best lightweight, bro, like, Ryan's, like, maybe seventh. <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm giving you a good seven. Like, if Devin comes back, which I don't think Devin Henney's ever going to come back to lightweight. But if he did come back, Devin's like fifth. Like, it will be, for me, it's Tank, then it's Shakur. To me, it's Teofimo, who's third. I think Teofimo Lopez will fuck up half the division, be honest with you. Um, for it to be, yeah, it's a split between Lomachenko and, uh, and uh, Kabosis. But I give it to Lomachenko. Fifth is like, is like, Henny, because he beat Kabosis, and he beat Lomachenko. If Henny was to be still in the division, so he'd be fourth. I don't think he'd beat Tiafima Lopez, but he could, he beat Lomachenko barely, but he beat him. To me, I thought he beat him. Um, Not super, like, bad, but he beat him. Fourth would be Devin Henny if he stayed in the division. Fifth would be uh, Lomachenko. Sixth would be Roley. Seven would be... Shit, I can't even say Kabosis is, is better than Ryan. And I don't think Kabosis has any power. Kabosis doesn't have any fucking power. But I don't think Ryan has – I don't think Ryan's great at – I don't want to say that. That's that's so fucked up. I don't think Ryan is I, – I believe what Tank said. Ryan's going to get bored, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna dip in a year and a half. Like, I don't think Ryan is actually going to stay in boxing. I think that's the one thing about Ryan. He's like, it's fun for now. And then you lose again, and then it's like, now you're Adrian Bronner. Like, nobody cares about you like that. And, and again, it's fucked up how we think in boxing, because if you lose again, it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, nobody cares. So, like, and I didn't even count Keith Thurman and all these other guys. So it's just like, 
damn, like Ryan is <laughs> lightweight. Well, Keith is a welterweight. I'm tripping. But lightweight, yeah, like lightweight in Pitbull Cruise. I forgot Pitbull. Shit, Pitbull Cruise. Like Pitbull Cruise is over half of you motherfuckers. He just don't get the opportunities. Like, so I just, I, yeah, like Ryan, Ryan called it out. It's your core. It's like, dude, you're like 10th. In your own division, you're like 10th. 10th. Like, I think if you get in the ring with Pitbull Cruz, he fucks you up. I think if you get in the ring with Shakur, he destroys you. We already saw what Tank could do to you. And I think Roland, Roly could could damn near, damn near kill you. Like, if he catches you the right way, he can fucking damn near kill you. Like, until Fimo is such a, an incredible boxer, too. And he's got strength. He's got power. So it's just like, bro, you're, in his defensive savvy is is damn near impossible so ryan doesn't have the defense he's got literally one punch and that's literally it i i don't i don't disagree with ryan call out shakur like that's the big name now for you to get because everybody knows you can't beat tank like so so call out shakur which everybody's gonna find out you can't beat shakur either like that is just shakur's a better overall boxer than tank is and I fuck with Tank. But Shakur defensively will make Ryan Garcia look stupid. Like, he will make him look so dumb. And I bet money Derrick James would tell Ryan Garcia, bro, that is a fight that you need to build yourself for. That is not a fight you just take on some whim shit. Like, nah. You build yourself for that. And even that won't probably work. Speaking of Devin Henney, Devin Henney fights this Saturday against uh, Regis Pearl Graves. I'm looking forward to this fight. I don't know who wins. I don't know who wins. But I do think Devin Henney needs a 100% effort. You cannot go in with that, the 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 way you fought uh, Lomachenko against Pearl Graves. Pearl Graves will fuck you up. Lomachenko ain't got that type of power. But Pro Graves does. And I think that the fact that Pro Graves is, yeah, a little older, but he isn't going to just let you just come into his division and take his titles. I think this is going to be a very close uh, fight, which can lead into the seven and eight round being really the deciding factors because Devin Henney sometimes kind of does drops his hands and kind of gets fucking tagged a lot. And Regis said that in a, in a sit-down. He was like, bro, you get tagged too fucking much. I know you ain't talking shit. Like, you get tagged a little bit too much for what the fuck you talking about. And it's true. He does get tagged. He gets tagged a fucking lot. So, I don't think that's a good idea to go in there with that 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 game plan of the same way you fought Lomachenko. Like, that's going to be a bad ending for you, my guy. So, yeah, if I was you, I'd be very cautious of how you defend in this fight. But I'm looking forward to the fight. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. Now, let's get into it now. So, like I said earlier, college football has officially announced their Final Four. They also finally announced the New Year's Six and pretty much all the rest of the bowl games. I'll talk about that and a very special thing uh, I'll be doing over the weekend. Uh but um, here's what I want to talk about, man. So ever since the polls came out, it's been literally this conversation of deserving to be in, which is Florida State. Florida State finished 13-0 and this year. 
won an ACC championship, conference championship, um, and was the team that was left out. Now, me personally, for like two to three weeks, I've been literally saying that I don't see how far the state even gets into the playoffs because I've been saying, as I said, for the most part, that I didn't know offense isn't great. They don't know really what they are. They kind of just figure shit out as the game progresses. But Florida State not getting in has ruffled some feathers. Ruffled some feathers. And I've seen ESPN go crazy the last couple of days. How the hell they not going to let them in? They deserve to get in. This is stupid. This it's so bad I got roped into this shit. Like, <laughs> like cause I posted today, because I had the episode out today of when I talked about Florida State not getting in. And I got roped into this shit today, just a moment ago on YouTube, which I appreciate the comment, my guy. I appreciate you for commenting. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, he's a Florida State fan. I can see it in his YouTube graphic and, 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 and you know. And he's like, how could you say that? UCF beat this and did it. And Texas struggled against TCU. 100% true. 100% true. But here's the thing. Texas got in because they beat Bama. Bama got in because they beat Georgia. Michigan and Washington were the most the two most dominant teams. Well, not Washington, but Washington played in a better conference than Florida State did this year. And Michigan was the best team this fucking season. I know people, I know. What about Georgia? Georgia was never that fucking good. I don't know why the fuck people kept trying to make... Don't get the winning streak fooled. Georgia was never that good. And I literally said on this podcast, I said, if Florida State was to play Georgia at some point, I actually thought Florida State could actually beat Georgia because Georgia was not that fucking good this year. Despite what you wanted to see, Georgia struggled the entire fucking year. Like, that is, they struggled the entire damn year. Like, what are you talking about? I didn't understand that. But despite that, Despite that, Florida State not getting in, I think, really poses the real question. And the real question is, deserving or earned? See, this is where I think a lot of people are having a hard time with this shit. Do I think Florida State deserved to play for a national championship? No. I don't think they deserved to play for a national championship. You finished 13-0. That is true. But immediately after you lost your quarterback, you went from having a chance to beat the Michigans, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Texas, the Washingtons, to immediately becoming Iowa on offense, which is, and not just on offense, the entire Iowa team, the Iowa team, which is play defense, try to run the ball, try to get something, maybe throw the ball here and there, and just try to survive, try to survive the game. I saw how all Iowa looked against a, a Michigan this past Saturday. Yeah, they lost 26-0. to zero. That would have been the game for Florida State. You would have stayed in the game. But you ain't never going to score the ball. You ain't never going to score. 
Florida State's offensive line had been fucked up the entire year. Even in the LSU game. LSU was getting to Jordan Travis in that game. But Jordan Travis eventually started to move away from the pocket. He started to use his legs. That is not fair anymore. Every time people want to bring up this conversation, I think Florida State definitely earned a chance to be in a college playoffs. You won 13 fucking games. You won your conference. You did everything the damn committee told you to do. But to say you deserve to be in over a team like Alabama who beat the number one team in Georgia, who people also was trying to make a case for, which I don't know why you made a case for Georgia because Georgia just did not have it. For most of the fucking year, Georgia was Florida State for most of the year. Just Georgia eventually started to turn it around and started to play top-tier competition. And that's what got Georgia in. Like, let's be real for a second. But even Georgia is a, is a shaky one. I feel like with people that are screaming Florida State should have got in, the fans of Florida State, I feel for you. I understand what you mean because you're feeling like, man – UCF got screwed over and all of these things. And another thing that people keep also saying for the last couple of goddamn. Every time I fucking look at this, it's the same shit. Well, Ohio State got in with a third string quarterback. You understand that Ohio State lost their quarterback like the first game of the season. I think it was Braxton Miller. I think it was the starting quarterback. I can't fucking. Somebody was the fucking starting quarterback. And they lost their quarterback the first game of the season. So the committee had a chance to watch Ohio State. By the way, Ohio State that year lost the first game that year. They lost to Virginia Tech. People forget that shit. They lost to Virginia Tech that year. They lost the first game, lost their quarterback, and then they proceeded to win the next 11 fucking games. They dominated Michigan and Michigan. And then they literally went on to absolutely beat the shit out of Wisconsin in the conference championship game. By the way, on the route of losing your starting quarterback, you lost your backup, JT Bear, who, by the way, also was in the conversation for Heisman that year. And you lost him and put in Cardell uh, Jones, Cadillac Jones is what they used to call him, or uh, Tank Jones, something like that. But they used to, they played this team. They had Ohio State for, for weeks to see how this team would progress without the starting quarterback. Florida State has had two games and looked absolutely garbage. The fucking offense looks absolutely trash. And people want to sit up here and say, if you would have put them in, they deserve to get it. No, they earned the right to have the conversation. They even earned the right to be in the to be in the conversation. But to say you deserve to be in is the craziest shit on the planet. You didn't deserve to get in. You earned the right, definitely. But you don't deserve to get in. Deserve is like, like no matter what, like no matter what you should have been in. I don't think you had, one, the resume to say that shit, two, you didn't have the resume, you didn't play in a better conference, and you literally had to, and you lost the fucking advantage that you did have, and that was the quarterback. But people forget, Jordan Travis coming into the season was actually considered a Heisman candidate. You lost that and immediately looked like you lost that. 
Like immediately you looked like you couldn't win. And then you play the Louisville team in the conference championship game who the week before lost to Kentucky and you struggled against them, Kentucky, who scored 38 fucking points against that defense. You scored 16. What the fuck are you talking about? Deserve? No. You earned, definitely, you earned a conversation. You earned a chance to even have us say on camera, yeah, that's fucked up how they did how they did Florida State. You got that. I definitely believe you have earned the right to have that argument. And if you beat Georgia in the Orange Bowl, then we can mute this whole conversation and say, damn, maybe Florida State should have been in. Damn, we fucked up really bad. And we would never judge a book by the cover again. But usually judging a book by the cover is how we usually judge shit because that's covers on books. So it makes sense. Like, <laughs> it makes total fucking sense. I don't understand the logic behind people that want to sit up here. And, and, and here's the thing, man. I saw EJ Emanuel, the guy on YouTube, a lot of ESPN, trying to make it seem like this is so fucked up. I haven't heard one person yet say that this is going to be a bad college playoffs. I haven't heard one. I haven't heard one fucking person literally sit here and say yet that this is not the best four teams. I've heard you say Florida State deserved it. I've heard you say Florida State has earned it. I've even heard you say Florida State has done this, that, that, and the third. I've heard all of that shit. But I have not heard one person say yet Florida State can compete with any of those four right now. I haven't heard one person yet say this isn't going to be one of the best college playoffs we've seen in a This shit been around a decade. I haven't seen one person yet say this is not going to be one of the best. You have four of the best fucking teams. And here's the thing. Four of the best fucking conferences is in this. In this. Do I think the Big 12 is great? Fuck no. But do I think the Big 12 can beat the ACC right now? Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? I just think it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's a bad, I'm going to say bad. I think it's a really, really Delusional point to make that Florida State, if they got into the playoffs, would compete against Michigan. Even with a week, even with the weeks that you have to prep, like you don't play until New Year's Day. Do I think Florida State could have figured out a game plan to beat Michigan? Probably, but let me ask you, offensively, who who's winning? When Michigan lost to Georgia, they weren't physically ready for that game. When Michigan lost to TCU, they weren't ready to shoot out with a team. Michigan has done all of this shit. And for the for, and also, Michigan also, for, for, for those that don't understand, Michigan didn't have their head coach for six fucking games. And they still were dominant for most of those games. Florida State, you didn't have your quarterback for two games, and you look like Iowa. Like, 
Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You look like Iowa. Like, you look like a complete and utter Big Ten. Just win by 10 points. Score 10 points, and we should win the game. That is how you play football. And, and a lot of people will sit up and say, well, that's deserving. No, it's not. I don't want to see that shit on New Year's Day. I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to see Florida State go in there and for the first half of the game defensively do stop someone. And then by the time they start scoring, it's like, oh, shit, we can't, we can't go. We, we can't stop them now. I have no problems with y'all having a problem. I have a problem with y'all thinking y'all deserve a participation trophy. We won 13 games, so we should be in. Go tell that shit to TCU. Go tell that shit to Baylor. Teams that actually was actually fucking good and didn't even get in. Go tell that shit to Penn State, who actually did win the division, who did win that conference, and still didn't make it. Shit happens. The only reason why y'all are upset is because they are undefeated. Totally understandable. They earned the right to be upset. I give you that. But to say y'all deserve to get in. (laughs) Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You've earned it. You damn sure earned the conversation. Deserve to get in, though? That, the, the pump the brakes on that shit. Pump the brakes on that shit. So you get your ass whooped by 40? Okay. Yeah, I saw how that look last year. I turned the game off by fucking first quarter. I was like, this game is never, this, this shit's terrible. <laughs> this, this is terrible. Watch this shit. Well, let's get into it. So, <laughs> the NFL just happened, man, uh, this past week, week 13. Um, here's my thing about this week 13 slate that just happened. Chris Collinsworth, man, I love you, respect you, man. But... Can we stop with this bias-ass sports reporting in the NFL? Like, like, goddamn, like, stop with this bias-ass sports reporting. Chris Collinsworth, now, I will say this. The Green Bay, when um, Patrick Mahomes tried to hit Marquez Vadaz-Scantlin on that long-ass pass, and that was a pass interference. Like, that, <laughs> that was a pass in a fucking interference. Like, that was a pass interference. I'm shocked that the refs did not throw a flag on it. Because it's Kansas City, and you probably want them to win so they can stay in the conversation for the number one seed. And the fact of the matter is, they swallowed the whistle. They didn't even they didn't even try to call it. So I was like, whoa, that's pretty damn interesting. And I guess they could kind of say, well, the ball, he beat the – I don't know how you could break that, but that was passing interference. I, I don't understand how that wasn't passing interference. I'm going to be honest with y'all. The, the last play of the game, when literally Chris Collinsworth was like, I thought he, he, 
he he pushed Travis Kelsey out the play. Travis Kelsey didn't even try to get to the ball. Travis Kelsey was like instantly walking, trying to just get into a position to get to the ball, but he wasn't trying to jump up or anything. So for you to sit there and say that, I thought that was pass interference. No, Travis Kelsey was walking. Like he lightly tapped him on the back and he fucking moved. Like Travis Kelsey wasn't trying to get that fucking ball. And to sit up here and say it was pass interference is crazy as shit. Like, that was not pass interference. Like, I don't know what the hell you was looking at Chris Collins' work. But, again, that's when you have this preconceived notion that Kansas City should just win every fucking thing. Same thing with Chris Collins' work today on uh, – not Chris Collins' work. Uh, uh, Kyle Cowherd today. He's like, now it just makes sense that Kansas City is now going to win AFC. Why? Because Travis – because Trevor Lawrence got hurt? Like, no. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City literally look like an offense that is not getting better. The best part about their offense isn't Patrick Mahomes and it ain't even Travis Kelsey. The best part about their offense is Isaiah Pacheco. And for some apparent reason, Matt Nagy gets to the point where he's just like, yeah, we're going to throw the ball right now. What the fuck are you doing? That is the Chicago offense. That is literally the Bears' offense. David Montgomery used to get going, and then they used to throw the ball off like 15 straight passes. Like 15 straight plays, it used to be 15 like straight passes. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Run the ball. Why is it so goddamn hard to just run the fucking ball? It is what it is. Jordan Love, on the other hand, I'm so happy people are finally saying, wow, Jordan Love is actually really good. No shit. You just realizing that? Jordan Love has actually been good. His offense has been injured for most of the fucking season. Now, I don't think Green Bay wins the a- NFC North. And I don't even know if they can catch the playoffs. I mean, the NFC sucks, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. Well, they're already in the race, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. Well, I'm not even going to say that. They could actually jump in the race. They could actually get in the playoffs. Um, But, yeah, Jordan Love has is, is actually been a really good quarterback the last couple of weeks. And that is not surprising to me if you actually watch Jordan Love play. Like, he's been getting better as the season progresses, even with that bullshit-ass offense they have. He has gotten better. Um, And also another thing is Christian Watkins is finally healthy. And also, uh, and uh, Romeo Dobbs is finally healthy. Running game still sucks, but, you know, he got most of his receivers are 100% healthy. So that's something that he needed. He needed to grow with the team, needed to get better. And um, the receiving core is officially there. So, yeah, I, I think Green Bay has a chance to be – I think Green Bay has a chance to really be the team. So – I can't wait to see what the future holds with Green Bay, man. Now people can stop saying this stupid ass shit where it's like, I think Green Bay should 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 trade a quarterback. Go to get a quarterback. Like, no, Jordan Love fits the fucking team. Stop trying to make something happen that doesn't make sense. Especially if this man gets him in the playoffs. We can stop this shit. <laughs> we can we can stop that shit. Alright. So as you know, for the NFL, I do my big four. And every week I do it. And it's my four best teams of the NFL who I think is the four best teams. And that's just how I feel. I can't speak for anybody else. I'll speak on me. So let's get into it. At number one, for the first time this season, 
have the 49ers. They are 9-3, beating the Philadelphia Eagles 42-19 in Philly. And on top of that, uh, they are now a game behind the Eagles for the number one spot, the number one seed in the NFC. Now, for their sake, they better hope and pray that Dallas beats them or Seattle beats them. I do think San Francisco uh, not having uh, San Francisco beating um, the Eagles is – I felt like that was their Super Bowl. I felt like they needed that game. I felt like they really cared more to win that game than I think Philly probably did. But I'm happy for San Francisco. I thought this was a was a really good win. I will say this, though. Christian McCaffrey should be in the Heisman – in the MVP conversation way more than Brock Purdy is. Like, Christian McCaffrey actually is the offense. Debo is the offense, too. And Brock Purdy is just the guy that gets the ball to them. Like, that's all he is. Like, I don't know how Tua isn't in the MVP conversation, but Tariq Hill is, right? It's the same fucking shit. Brock Purdy is not that great. I think Brock Purdy is okay. I think what he does. But if you actually look at the two touchdowns, two of his three touchdowns, it was literally swing passes to Debo Samuel. He broke off the tackle and just ran. It wasn't like he threw this shit 30 fucking yards down the field and then he caught the ball and then no, it was like a it was like a quick ass slant and he broke the tackle and just nobody was there. Like yeah, like it, it's it's crazy to say that. But San Francisco is definitely uh nine and three and they're definitely my number one team this week. They play Seattle, who they absolutely destroyed on Thanksgiving. Seattle actually had a better game against Dallas, but I don't know how Seattle's gonna look when they go up against San Francisco. Maybe they play a little tougher, maybe they play a little bit more like let's get it, but I don't know about that. Uh, number two. Coming off of a bye this upcoming week, they play the Los Angeles Rams. And that is the Baltimore Ravens at 9-3. and three. Baltimore now is behind Miami. I have no idea how the fuck that's possible, but they're now behind Miami for the number one seed in the AFC. I think Baltimore's a way better team than, than people want to give them credit for. And I still think Baltimore can make the uh, the Super Bowl. I, I, I truly believe that. I don't think Baltimore is that bad of a team as everybody thinks they are. I think Baltimore makes the Super Bowl. I think that they are the best team in the AFC. And I think people are delusional if they don't think they are. <laughs> and number three, tough loss. But they have a, a, this week to redeem themselves. And that number three is... The Eagles at 10 and 2. They go up against the Cowboys. Like I said, they lost 19 to 42 to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know how that actually fucking. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, the Eagles defense has been very suspect for most of the fucking year. Um, this week they just cannot um out suspect themselves. They they kind of the second half happened and they just never got uh going in that defense. Usually the defense makes adjustments. But when you have six consecutive touchdowns on you and six consecutive drives, that defense is very shaky. That's not good at all. That's not something you want to see from your defense to have six consecutive drives and it's touchdowns. That's that's not good. Um, maybe the Shaquille Leonard pickup is going to help the Eagles. Because they kind of need a play caller in the middle of that field. They need a linebacker. They need a true 
linebacking play caller. Like, they need that guy. And I think Shaquille Leonard coming in with now something to prove for the rest of the year of how he got literally done wrong by the coach for the end of the year. I think he comes into the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's immediately going to bring the Eagles a little bit more of a of a structural guy coming into the, the, the like I said, a structural guy that comes in with something to prove. I think that's the one thing about the Eagles that they haven't had this season. A guy on that defense that feels like they have something to prove. Jalen Carter feels like he has something to prove. But Shaquille Leonard feels like a guy that got booted from the Colts who never really got a fair shake this season in Indianapolis. He feels like he got something to prove. And going to Philly, of all places, who kind of needs that linebacker in the middle of the field that can play sideline to sideline, that can go up against a Christian McCaffrey, that can kind of stop what Dallas likes to do. I don't know if they're going to use him this week as much, but maybe in the next couple of weeks we can see really what this defense will look like. But for right now, the Eagles are third for me. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do this Sunday night against the Cowboys. It's going to be pretty interesting to see how that goes. And then fourth, my fourth team, coming off of a last-second stop in the red zone against the Denver Broncos, and that is the Houston Texans at 7-5. and five. Listen, man. Like I said, I'm unconventional. I do not do what everybody else do. I could have went with the I could have went with Miami. I could have went with uh what? The Lions. I could have went with a lot of those teams. Miami and the Detroit Lions are starting to scare the shit out of me. Detroit, more importantly, Detroit is starting to scare the shit out of me. Because their defense is starting to look like it did last year. And that's not good. Like it was cool to do that shit at the beginning of last year, and your defense like was suspect as fuck. And you can barely get, like, this is how crazy it is. Detroit had the number one rated offense last year. They had the 32nd rated defense. That's how bad Detroit defense was last year. And it feels like it's starting to move into reverse. It's like it's exactly what this defense looks like now. Because there is no way in hell the Saints should have been in that game. And I'm a Saints fan. There was no way in hell the Saints should have even remotely made a comeback in that game. But the fact that your defense just could not stop them, that's a fucking problem. And the same thing with Miami. Miami looks great against a Washington. And then when they play against, like, a Kansas City or a Baltimore or a Cleveland that actually has a defense that can actually slow that shit down, they look like a team that shouldn't even be on the football field with them dudes. And for me... I've been saying this. Miami's defense has always been suspect. Miami's defense has never been great this year to me. And I knew eventually it will catch up to them. And this is how fucked up this is because I think Miami wins the AFC East. But you could still get swept by Buffalo for the two for two straight games because I don't think you beat Buffalo and Miami outright. So it's it's a it's a crazy thing. For me, Houston is the fourth best team that I've seen this season. And it, well, uh this week coming into this week Houston is 7-5, and, and now with Trevor Lawrence having an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain, we don't know how long he's physically going to actually be out. I expect him not to be out for more than two weeks because he's going to try to rush himself back to play because if he doesn't, the division is going to be lost, either by the Texans or the Colts. One of them teams are going to take the division. And the Texans right now feel like a team that if they can get past the Jets, which is – I know a, team, a lot of people play like the Jets, but the Jets is such a weird game 
because even though they offense suck and it sucks, I still think the Jets defensively can give C.J. Stroud some problems. So this is going to be an interesting game, to say the least. What is going to happen? And I don't know what's going to happen, particularly with this game between the Jets and them. But I do know this. Houston is 7-5 and five coming into this. 7-5 um, and five coming into um, this week. And like I said, the division is still up for grabs. They're on it behind the Jags with a game. They also beat the Jags already. They have a chance, man. And as long as they got a chance, as long as you got a chance, you can make a way. So for Houston, I expect them to be very competitive going into the next couple of weeks because the division can still be theirs, especially with week 17, week 18, I should say, them going up against um, the Indianapolis Colts. That's going to be a crazy game. To see them versus the Colts for the last game of the season, possibly with division on the line, yeah, that's going to be a pretty interesting situation. Now, I usually do this with um, with college football. It's my first week doing it with the NFL, which is my eyes on football. I usually do this with college, but college, of course, is pretty much over for right now until the bowl games heat up again. But for right now, um, this is my eyes on football, the NFL edition. So like I do for my college, I did it for my NFL. My skeptical game of the week, my most interesting game of the week, my upset game of the week, and my game of the week. So let's get into it. My skeptical game of the week for week 14 coming into this is the Seahawks versus the 49ers. Like I said, yes, San Francisco being in, you know, winning, beating the Eagles, it didn't absolutely dominating Seattle a couple, like literally on Thanksgiving Day. I feel like San Francisco is coming in on a high. And I and I think against a divisional team, a team that you absolutely beat the living shit out of at home in Seattle on Thanksgiving Day to the point where it was like, why the fuck am I watching this game again? I, I, I could be eating leftovers right now. What the fuck? Why am I watching this shit? It was a, it was a bad game. And Seattle got their get back last week against the Dallas Cowboys. They actually showed up in that game. Now, that defense is absolutely dreadful. Um, but it's still a divisional game, and it feels like the 49 If this is if this is this is the best time to catch the 49ers. They literally used all their energy to beat the Eagles last week. They put so much into that game, so much into that feeling of we gotta beat the Eagles. We gotta show people we are that team. You can catch them. I know it's at home, but you can kind of get them. And Seattle needs to get back into the conversation of at least making the playoffs. And right now, I don't know if you're going to make the playoffs because, like I said, Green Bay is right there. You got Green Bay right there. You got the Vikings. You still got the, I don't know how, but the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You still got a lot of teams that could still sneak up and get a wild card position where for Seattle, you have to eventually show up and show out against one of these teams. And for the next couple of weeks, you got you went from having Dallas at the end, Dallas, 
to now the 49ers. You went from 49ers, Dallas, and now you have the 49ers again, and then you play the Eagles the week after this. So you have to win one of these games just to prove you are ready to take that next step in the playoffs. So we shall see how that looks. But that is my skeptical game of the week. I'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to look like. My most interesting game of the week is the Colts versus the Bengals. Now, Colts coming off of an overtime victory over the Tennessee Titans, 28-25. And the Cincinnati Bengals, speaking of overtime, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars last night, like I said, with Trevor Lawrence, uh, having a high ankle sprain, left the game. But the Cincinnati Bengals has been without Joe Burrow now for, what, two, three weeks? And Jake Browning had his best game of being a starter, and it was last night. Um, incredible game. Um, and the Cincinnati Bengals are six and six, while the uh, Indianapolis Colts are seven and five. Now, this is also a game that kind of determine who has more of a race, just like the Denver Broncos and the Texans game was last week. It, this feels the same way, where it's like if you lose. Now you don't have to control your own fate. Now, the Colts still have a chance to win the AFC South. Like I said, the Jags, Texans, Colts still have a chance to all win the AFC South. But it would be pretty interesting if you lose this game to Cincinnati. Because <laughs> like, like, it's like now you lost the, your advantage in the division in the AFC South, depending on how the, how the Jags and the, and the Texans look in the next these two these in their games. Jags play Cleveland. Houston plays uh, the Jets, like I said. And if you can't beat Cincinnati, it kind of looks like, oh, this is not good. Cincinnati's defensively defensively is really fucking good. And the coach, again, if they don't, this is a stat that the coach have. If you don't turn over the ball, you probably win these games. But I don't trust it. This is literally the, the battle of backups. If Gardner Minshew can finally, is Gardner Minshew going to keep this up? Or is Jake Browning? Can Jake Browning actually be a guy that can carry the Cincinnati Bengals to at least the playoffs? And this is going to be fun at one of them games. So 7-5 and five Colts versus 6-6 six six Bengals. That's a pretty interesting game, even if you had the, the health of those two quarterbacks, because you still have a chance to make the playoffs, which is the weirdest thing on the planet. My upset game of the week. Is the six and six Bills versus the eight and four Kansas City Chiefs? I don't trust Kansas City. I don't, I don't trust Kansas City. Um, this whole year, I've had to hear people say Kansas City is going to figure it out offensively. We are officially in Week Fourteen. They just lost to the Green Bay Packers. By the way, with no Jameer Alexander on the field, who's the best cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, and you couldn't beat the Green Bay Packers. Figure what out? Like what is? <laughs> figure what out? Like I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I think people just like to hear themselves talk a little bit. Do I think the Bills could actually upset the Kansas City Chiefs? Fuck no. Do I think it? No. Would I be surprised if it happens? No. I think the Bills coming off of a bye, playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a game that the Bills kind of need. This is the Bills Super Bowl. 
they need to win this game. They need to feel like we still have a chance. And coming off of a bye, having now officially time to actually develop the offense with uh, a Joe Brady at the helm of offensive coordinator with Josh Allen, you can finally figure out what can help build this offense. And that is something you need. Despite losing to the Eagles, you still scored 34 fucking points against the Eagles. Now, of course, now looking at that, it wasn't that fucking hard. I mean, did you not see the 49ers? But but even in that sense, the Bills have struggled a lot to get points in these types of games where Kansas City's defense is always being held as the best defense in the league, right? Okay, this kind of feels like the Buffalo Bills of the last couple of years. Y'all defense is said to be the best, but then when you play against a team that can actually put pressure on that defense, they break like a son of a bitch. Them, them, that what pressure bust pipes. Well, Kansas City just hasn't played a lot of teams that can bust them pipes yet. And guess what? They're about to play a team like Buffalo Bills that might show you sons of bitches that y'all really ain't that great. If the Kansas City Chiefs lose the Buffalo Bills this week, they'll be eight and five. I don't think they're going to catch the Baltimore Ravens to get the number one seed. Even if Baltimore has that tough of a tough of a schedule. Because I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs situation, I'm saying to myself, you have to literally figure out your offense in a matter of three weeks now. I don't think you can physically do it. And that's the thing about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Buffalo Bills will play their ass off in this game. I think the Buffalo Bills will have the most energy in this game. And then the Kansas City Chiefs are going to rely too heavily on Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to get their shit popping. And I think it's going to fucking hurt them. I think Kansas City is going to play into what the Bills can do very fucking well. And and again, I think Stephon Diggs is going to go off. And I don't think that's a good thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think the Bills upset them. But I won't be surprised if they do. And my game of the week, clearly, is the Eagles versus the Cowboys. The Eagles are 10-2, Cowboys are 9-3. This is literally for the division. Let's be real. This is for the division. And maybe number one, number one seed. Um, not particularly for the Cowboys, because the Cowboys, even if they beat the Eagles, they can't jump the 49ers. Um, except if the 49ers lose. So they can't jump the 49ers. Because they already lost the 49ers earlier in the year. So this is more so for the Eagles to win, to keep the number one seed. But also to create space with the Cowboys. And now you're also now, you will be 4-0 in division. Because you beat the Commanders twice. You beat the, you swept the Cowboys now. And then you, all you have to play is the Giants the next two out of three weeks. Yeah, I, I will I will trust that. <laughs> yeah. Um I think the Eagles in a Cowboys game is gonna be very intriguing to see. Like I said, Shaquille Leonard becoming being a part of the Eagles, and I'll get into that a little later more. I get more into that. But the Eagles defense finally didn't adjust. They got beat. They got beat bad. They looked very uninspired. They 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 just didn't look good. 
nothing wrong to particularly with the offense. I mean, they couldn't protect Jalen Hurts for most of the fucking game. But nothing too crazy about the offense. We kind of expected this offense to kind of be in that type of feeling. But the but the Eagles defense finally looked bad. Like they looked they've been looking bad, but this but they could figure it out and win. This is not how they looked in the San Francisco game. They looked absolutely like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing for most of the game. And like I said, you let a team score six consecutive times on you every time they got the ball after the first quarter, every time the 49ers got the ball, they scored a touchdown. I'm not talking about like a fucking field goal. Them niggas scored touchdowns. That is a terrible situation. So for me, the Eagles' defense, and, and even in the Cowboys game earlier in the year, they kind of struggled even in that game. CeeDee Lamb had over 100 yards receiving. I don't know how this game is going to go. I know the Cowboys are going to try to play their ass off in this game. But again, the Eagles coming off of a loss finally. Hopefully that wakes them up. And of course, like I said, signing Shaquille Leonard, maybe that also boosts that defense and makes that defense actually understand that we can actually lose the number one spot. And it will be our fault. Yeah. That's an interesting game, man. For Dallas, it's very simple. Win. Win the game. If you beat the Eagles, we can finally put the bed, well, for the be well, for the beginning of this, but we could probably kind of start to put the bed. We could probably put the bed a little bit of the Cowboys can't win the most important games, and this is what you need. You need a game that you can prove that you can actually compete with the Eagles, the Forty ers You can actually compete, and if you don't win this game, it's just right back into what we always know. You are not that team. And we can officially erase this from our memories of you being that team. So you need to win this game. And of course, like always, man, I close out my my I bleed sports with the NFL, and that is the levels of warning for week 14. Coming into this, man, you know how it goes, man. You know how I do this. I pick three teams. And I explain why I feel like there is some some levels of warning. Of course, you know my yellow is caution, which is be aware of what the fuck is going on here. Orange is panic time, which is you've already passed the be aware part. You are officially in the, you might need to think about the offseason and clean up some shit. And red is DOA, which is just like, you're done. I'm not even going to. You should already be thinking about franchise changes, like what you should do with the franchise. So let's get into it. My yellow, my caution team this week is, I spoke of them already and I speak on them again. Even though they are in my my big four, y'all know me. I don't care if you're my big four. It sums up with that. And that is. The Eagles at 10 and 2. That defense has been. That defense of the Eagles, man, is not been great. It hasn't been great this whole fucking year. Um, 
like I said, I've been saying, Shaquille Leonard being a part of this this offense now and being a part of this team now, we shall see how that all will look when it's all said and done. Um, but the concern for the Eagles is the defense. It's nothing more, nothing less. It's the concern of the defense. Now, Jalen Hurts being injured, Landon Johnson being injured, a lot of those guys being a little bit banged up. Yeah, but to sit up here and tell me that the Eagles – um, defensively isn't, and like I said, they're not great like they were last year, of course, but damn, you know what I'm saying, you get trounced like that at home is crazy, like just the, the way you lost and how you lost, that's not good, man, and now you're going into another big game this week uh, against the Cowboys. Now, I don't think you're going to lose this game, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if you do because the defense just isn't there. Maybe you wake up and maybe you finally do get back to what you know you have to do because, like I said, this defense now has to sit there and think to themselves, yeah, we could actually lose the number one seed and we could actually have to go to San Francisco to play in, a, in, a, in the NFC Championship game, and I don't know if we could beat them in San Francisco. We could barely beat them. We didn't even beat them in, the, in Philly. In the code. So you need to wake up, and this is the time to do it. So, yes, I do think it's a caution, and it is definitely the Eagles. My orange, panic time. The Tennessee Titans, who are 4-8. and eight. Do I think Tennessee has found their franchise quarterback at Will Levis? I don't fucking know. Do I think Will Levis has officially, teams have officially kind of understood what Will Levis is? I do believe they have. I don't think Will Levis is absolutely great. But I also don't think Will Levis can be the cause of what Tennessee looks like. Tennessee is just not a good fucking team. Um, Defensively, they're not there. And I also feel like if if you're Tennessee doing this offseason, man, and I hope he doesn't get – if you're Tennessee – I think it's getting to the point where you might have, you might actually have to fire Mike Vrabel. Not because he's not a great head coach, because you need change. You need actual change in the offense. Like, you need a change with the team. Like, the team is not a great team, and it's not Mike Vrabel's fault. Now, Mike Vrabel, I would love, now here's the thing about the Saints. I'm a Saints fan. I would love nothing more to have Mike Vrabel as a head coach. But I need an offensive-minded head coach next. Mike Vrabel might be the next Patriots coach, which if I'm the Patriots, I, if I, we are going to part ways with Bill Belichick, that is the first person I'm calling is Mike Vrabel. Tennessee is going to have to clean house. What does that mean? I know you just paid him all his money, but Jeffrey Sims, Simmons, you got to trade him. Defensive tackle, yeah, you're going to have to trade him. You, you got to trade him. Um, Derrick Henry should have got traded during the trade deadline. I don't think the Dallas, but you should have traded him during the trade deadline. And DeAndre Hopkins, even though he signed for two years, you need to start looking into maybe trading him too. Tennessee is not in a good space as a franchise. And at the end of the day, man, you need to figure out what the hell is going on. Is Will Levis the future? I don't know. 
But what I do know is this. Derrick Henry isn't. DeAndre Hopkins isn't. And Mike Vrabel isn't. And until you get real clarification on what that looks like without them, Tennessee's going to be in a bad spot. And here's the crazy part. The AFC South is still up for grabs. And Tennessee feels like they are the only ones that are mathematically and physically out of it. And Red, DOA, I had him on there last week and I took him off. But they're on here this week, and that is the Jets. Jets are 4-8. Uh, they lost the game 13-8. I have never seen that shit ever in my life where a team lost 13-8. Um, that shit is crazy. Aaron Rodgers ruined the Jets. The Jets were good last year. Think about it. The Jets were like, what, 7-5 and five around this time last year? And that's even with Zach Wilson. They were like 7-5 and five around this time last year. They actually had a winning record without Aaron Rodgers last year. Around this time. They still had a chance to make the fucking playoffs. That's how crazy that is. And they are now 4-8. and eight. And I hear y'all want to blame Robert Celez for how bad the Jets look. No. This is a Woody Johnson, who is the owner of the Jets, and an Aaron Rodgers fuck-up. The fact of the matter is, is this. I would have never traded for Aaron Rodgers. And my team sucks right now with a quarterback that we did sign. I would have never traded for Aaron Rodgers. For some apparent reason, people have this not, this thought process that Aaron Rodgers is like the same as Tom Brady. He's not. He's not even close. He's not even rem- He's nowhere near Tom Brady. Talent-wise, surpassed him. But that's about fucking it. He doesn't have the discipline. He doesn't have the actual leadership. He doesn't have any of that shit. But let people tell you he could throw the fuck out of a football. Great. I'm happy for you. But he can't lead a fucking team right now to the Super Bowl. That shit ain't happening. I never believed in the Jets this season. Ever believed in the Jets this season. I always knew the Jets were going to end up last. Well, I thought they would end up last in AFC East. Clearly the Patriots said, fuck that shit. <laughs> Clearly the Patriots was like, no they're not. And they, and, they, and they just have fucked up that. But I knew the Jets would end up bad. Like, the Jets were never that good to begin with. The offensive line didn't get fixed. You brought in way worse weapons. You didn't bring in better weapons. You brought in worse weapons. Alan Lazard has always been a third-string receiver. What the fuck made you pay this motherfucker? Because you, you want Aaron Rodgers, you paid his friends. And that is the dumbest fucking business move on the planet. Even though you know that his friends are not productive with or without him. And it's a stupid thought process. You paid a, you paid Randall Cobb to be a locker room leader. That's pretty much what the fuck you paid him for. You paid that nigga to be a locker room leader. Because I have not seen this motherfucker since week one. The Jets are done. 
And if same thing with what I said about Mike Vrabel, I said about Robert Celeste. I wish y'all fire him. I really do, cause he is not the fucking problem. And anybody that sits up and think he is, you don't know football. But that is my level of warning. Yellow caution. Eagles, ten and two. Orange panic time. Titans four and eight. Red DOA Jets four and eight. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, man. I am Brandon New, and like always, like I said, this weekend I will be back with I Bleed Sports, and I'll be talking about the uh, New Year's Six Bowls and pretty much my favorite bowls of what the college football playoffs are going to look like. Uh, but until next time, man, until this weekend, until also next Tuesday when I get back on here, <sighs> enjoy y'all week, man. Brand new. Peace.